Hello, this is Ben Thompson, doctor of audiology and tinnitus specialist. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This audio is a recording from my YouTube channel, Ben Thompson AUD. I hope you find the information you need and I hope you enjoy the episode. Between Julian and I, we have this shared knowledge from our experiences of the typical timeline for someone who's doing all of these five things consistently nearly every day uh, we would when they start that process with bothersome tinnitus we can look at that and say okay that's the beginning of this timeline now consistently doing that has positive effects in the psychology has positive effects in the auditory pathway from the non-auditory inputs of the brain and the the neuroscience of this and also the nervous system of the physical body, which sends messages to the body of, am I worried? Am I anxious? Am I stressed? Am I in this fight or flight reaction to tinnitus? Um, all of these things that we talked about, these essentials, these are, these are things we would love for you guys to be doing nearly every day. It, it's, it's a shift to transition into that. And it, it is challenging because sometimes these are new. And sometimes it's hard to have the motivation to try new things and to get that motivation to put in work when you have tinnitus, potentially anxiety and stress wrapped around it. But for those who I work with personally, I would love for these five uh, essentials to be practiced consistently. And then this timeline really makes sense of within two to four months, feeling shifts in anxiety, stress, the reaction to tinnitus potentially the volume of the tinnitus shifting more. Julian will talk more about his experience with the tinnitus volume shifting. And the uh, if, it's, if it's possible to hit silence, we're going to talk about that as well. So two to four months of into practice, starting to feel some shifts, starting to feel better. And that can increase, that can get better and better. Between six and 12 months from our experience, that's around the time of that you might reach your plateau. And by that, we mean, okay, the volume or the intensity of the tinnitus, it may not shift any softer, it may not shift any quieter than the six or 12 month period after you started to implement these kinds of practices nearly every day. So again, the results vary by the individual. We must state that, of course. All right. Now I'm going to use a similar timeline approach of tinnitus retraining therapy and the research that's gone into it. Tinnitus retraining therapy is, has been, in the last 20 years, one of the most common uh, protocols used to treat tinnitus and to improve the distress and the anxiety and the reaction to tinnitus. Oftentimes, as a result of that, the volume shifts into a more manageable state as well. In tinnitus retraining therapy, we're going to use this timeline where the therapy begins. And typically that therapy is a combination of sound therapy and the cognitive aspect of managing reactions, expectations, worries, fears uh, in the mind, in the psychology. Um, it's a similar approach to cognitive behavioral therapy, but typically tinnitus retraining therapy is done with an audiologist, okay? An important point is that although tinnitus retraining therapy commonly uses hearing aids, again, the brain does not differentiate on the type 
or the, well, the source of sound therapy. If you have a hearing aid in your ear playing white noise, compared to if you have a speaker in your room playing white noise, your brain does not favor the hearing aids. Uh, but again, it might be more sustainable in your everyday life to use devices on your ear as opposed to carrying around a white noise machine. As you probably know, there's many different types of sound therapy. Overall, the recommendation is to use sounds that calm you, use sounds you actually don't mind listening to. If white noise uh, creates a negative reaction for you, then we don't want that. That is actually not helping you. Um, for some people, crickets has a positive effect with their tinnitus because it mixes with the high-pitched nature for others, other kinds of sound therapy. Okay, so one study for tinnitus retraining therapy of a group of individuals showed significant improvement in three months. And that means they're using sound therapy, they're having some guidance, managing the psychology of tinnitus. And within three months, they have significant improvement with their distress, with their reaction, with how much they're bothered by it. The research for tinnitus retraining therapy does not try to track the volume of tinnitus. It works more on the distress, on the psychological distress of tinnitus. And this is interesting. It's something that I'm exploring more and more, how some of the original research for tinnitus explains that there's not a direct correlation between some the loudness someone reports their tinnitus and how much they're bothered by it. So that's interesting and that's something I'm going to continue to explore. Another study showed that 80% another study showed 80% improvement uh, with tinnitus distress within 12 months. The reason I wanted to bring these kinds of timelines to you guys is to get some realistic expectations based on various approaches, various research studies on the timeline of getting better. I think it's really important that you don't lose hope after one month, after two months of working with yourself on these essentials. Don't lose hope that you cannot get better. It does take time. And within those first few months, you may notice uh, some shifts of your tinnitus where sometimes it might be louder, sometimes it might be softer, it might be fluctuating pretty significantly even. Another study uh, looked at the, the long-term treatment effects of tinnitus retraining therapy, which essentially is the sound therapy plus the psychological, uh, working on the psychological reaction and reframing the tinnitus. The treatment effects lasted as long as the researchers were in contact with the participants, which was between one and five years after the uh, actual therapy itself. Okay, some different recovery factors. The improvement you have with your tinnitus, and it is, it is important to ask what is the cause or what are the multiple factors that caused your tinnitus? Was it just hearing loss that caused tinnitus? Was it stress or taking a medication or some kinds of trauma? Uh, a lot of people have hearing loss and tinnitus, but those who have tinnitus with hearing loss, not everyone is bothered by it. So hearing loss is unlikely the sole cause of very loud, very obtrusive tinnitus. Um, sometimes you can have tinnitus without hearing loss. So then we would want to understand, okay, what are the main factors at play? Is it stress, stress on your overall persistent stress in the mind and the body? 
Is there some anxiety associated with that? Was there a medication dose that was either too high or some kind of medication that triggered the sensitivity in your system to create tinnitus? Was there some trauma around the original incident? Um, maybe you were in a car accident and then it was traumatic and it, and it caused injury to your ear and then you have had loud tinnitus from it. Maybe you got a, a vaccine or some kind of shot or some other kinds of medication which triggered your tinnitus and then it's been loud ever since. These kinds of things can be traumatic. Common one in the audiology space is uh, some kind of ear surgery or having an ear infection or some kind of procedure on the eardrum and then or having earwax and having a big emotionally trauma traumatic experience around it with removing the earwax and then the tinnitus lingers in the ear and it doesn't seem to calm down ever even though the medically the medical condition that caused it originally is improved so as we can see here there's different factors and they all they all mix together based on your individual history. Uh, Julian's going to talk more about that as well. Um, sometimes medication. So in terms of recover, recovering from tinnitus, sometimes high doses of, uh, of anti-anxiety medication can make it harder to improve with tinnitus. But overall, low doses or like moderate doses of these kinds of medications are typically okay. I won't get into the details on that right now. It's more of an individual conversation between between us and your your doctor who's prescribing the medications. Well, that's what I wanted to bring into this conversation for now. So, what is the end result for most people? What are we striving for? Are we striving to reduce the tinnitus to silence to zero? Or are we striving to reduce the volume 50% so it's more manageable? Or are we trying to get your tinnitus back to a place where it may have been years ago, where it was noticeable, it was mild, but not causing much of a concern? Um, we brought that into the, the topic of this webinar, can you regain silence uh, once you have had tinnitus? So as we mentioned earlier about the end result, that most patients plateau their their progress ar around six to 18 months. And that's not a bad thing. It means you've got your tinnitus to as good of a state that your body and mind probably allow. Julian's going to talk more about this as well. Uh, most people do not reach complete silence. Uh, and my personal take is that setting a goal of silence might be shooting a little too high for, for everyone. Um, occasional periods of silence are great, but if we don't, I personally don't want your goal in tinnitus management to be silence or nothing because it's quite all or nothing, all or nothing in my perspective. Um, occasional silence is definitely welcome. Uh, but if you can reduce the volume or shift of experience, the loudness, the reaction of tinnitus 50%, I think for most people that would be a big win. Uh, now I'm going to bring in this study. This is a study that now is, wow, 70 years old, so long before I was born. And this is one of the original tinnitus research studies by Heller and Bergman in 1953. They had a large group of individuals with normal hearing 
go in a very, very silent room, a very silent audio booth. And that study showed that 97% of normal hearing adults did perceive phantom auditory signals when placed in that silent room for five minutes. The study suggests that sub-auditory perceptions are always present, but are masked by ambient sounds averaging around 35 decibels. So essentially, even people with normal hearing in the quietest place hear tinnitus. So there might not be something that we would call complete silence. There are these sub-auditory perceptions. There is this buzz, this charge of the nervous system of the brain, and our auditory system picks it up when we're in a quiet enough place. The reason I think this is beneficial to know is that most people hear sounds in a very quiet place. So when we're managing the expectations of how much we want to get better, I personally believe it makes sense to aim for reducing the loudness, reducing the uh, intensity of the reaction to tinnitus by gradual percentages and keeping up with your practices, those five essentials that we talked about. And then at that point, we see how well you individually can get. It can depend on those different factors that we talked about. For example, if someone is still having challenges with anxiety and daily stressors or having a hard time letting go of the trauma around the original incident of the onset of tinnitus, then it can be hard to reach that plateau. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's my mission to share high quality information about tinnitus and hearing conditions. It would mean the world to me if you could take just 60 seconds to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a quick review explaining what you learned on this podcast. Thank you so much for considering that and I'll make sure to see you on the next episode.